Hi there, some new crimes. Of course, Trump attorney acquits and like turns on legal team. It's kind of important. It was, uh, what's his name? Par is it Parlator? No, it's another one. Another one acquit. What turns new evidence to the prosecutor to use. Latest example, Tim Parlatore. He had been the lead lawyer for Donald Trump on all things defending him related to Mar-a-Lago. That's until the CNN town hall where Trump blew up his own world on network television related to any possible defense that he might have had. He completely screwed it. And then within a week later, Tim Parlatore said, so long. Now, when Tim Parlatore left originally, just a couple of days ago, and we were reported it on Legal AF, the podcast only on the Midas Touch Network that I co-anchor, we didn't really know why. We, we, we had some sneaking suspicions. Maybe it was because he had, he had made himself Ratted a records custodian and he'd signed on a dotted line under oath Turned in front of a gap. federal judge, Tim Parlatore did, about what he searched or didn't search for Donald Trump. Maybe he had problems related to that and was soon to be a witness yeah, for the prosecution. To, yeah. Maybe it was exactly. that. But now it turns out, as we had sort of suspected, Tim Parlatore doesn't get along with the other lawyers representing Donald Trump. He, I know he's attacked Joe Tacopina. Listen, we've all attacked Joe Tacopina <laughs> for the poor work he's done for the president, a former president, including at the arraignment of uh, the 34-count indictment against Donald Trump for business record fraud in New York, in the E. Jean Carroll case, and everywhere else. So, yes, Tim Parlatore, among every other thinking human being, thinks that Joe Tacopina should remove himself from representing Donald Trump. But that isn't even the lawyer that Tim Parlatore has been fighting with, nor the one he threw under the bus. He <laughs> threw Boris Epstein under the bus. Who's Boris Epstein? He is this year's flavor. He's this year's Michael Cohen inside Fixer Consigliere for Donald Trump. You've seen him. You just didn't know who he was. He's the bald guy sitting at the end of the table at the arraignment wearing the three-piece suit and sweating. Um, <laughs> he, he's given press conferences. He got picked up. His own uh, personal uh, devices like phones were picked up by the FBI in this current investigation because of his role. And Parlatori on network television, on CNN, has said that Boris Epstein has blocked the ability of the lawyers to search properly for documents at places like Bedminster. Attention, Jack Smith. Boris Epstein is obstructing on behalf of Donald Trump. And he said it out loud. He also said that Boris Epstein um, was lying up to the lawyers and to his own client, Donald Trump, on numerous occasions. We have the clip. Let's roll the clip on CNN of Tim Parlatori being interviewed just a day or so ago about him leaving. Doesn't do it quietly. And he kills Boris Epstein in the criminal investigation. Let's play it. He served as kind of a um, filter to prevent us from getting information to the client, getting information from the client. Uh, in my opinion, he was not very honest with us or with the client on certain things. Uh, there were certain things like the searches that he had attempted to interfere with. And then more recently, as we're coming down to the end of this investigation where Jack Smith and ultimately Merrick Garland is going to make a decision as to what to do, as we put together our defense strategy uh, to help educate Merrick Garland as to how best uh, to handle this matter. Yeah. He was preventing be a witness us from engaging about in being a witness. Uh, You said that Boris tried to prevent you from conducting searches. What searches are those? Th this is the searches at uh, Bedminster um, initially. Okay. So let me just clear.
clear this up as a practicing lawyer for more than 30 years. You withdraw from cases. It happens. Okay? It doesn't mean you, you go in front of a bank of, uh, of microphones or on hey, CNN hey, and broadcast to the to world what was inside the tent on the inner workings that you were only exposed to because you were an attorney. Generally, there's an attorney-client privilege that covers all of your feelings, all of the information that you obtain. You may not like your client. You may not like your client's lawyer or other advisors, but you don't generally, under the ethics rules, then attack the client and attack the other colleagues that you were working with on CNN. <laughs> the parlatory feels he has to do that. Now, either he feels he has to have some separation now in his departure yep. because he doesn't want Jack Smith coming over to him because uh -huh. he just blew kisses and a love note to Jack Smith <laughs> on the way out of the case. He basically served Boris Epstein, Donald Trump's right-hand consigliere, up on a silver platter to give to Jack Smith. If Jack Smith didn't already feel that Boris Epstein was a bad dude and had done bad things having already grabbed his phone in a subpoena, uh -huh. then he does now because Tim Parlatori just blew the dog whistle, blew the siren and said, hey, Jack Smith, take a look at Boris Epstein. I was trying to do my job and turn over documents that were top secret and were still sitting in Bedminster. Boris Epstein got in my way. And I want you to know that now. Now, if you don't think Tim Parlatori is going to be brought back in front of the grand jury, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Tim Parlatori already testified once in front of one of Jack Smith's grand juries about the search for documents at Mar-a-Lago. Now, at that moment, he retained his attorney-client privilege because Jack Smith's team at that moment didn't move to strip away the privilege in front of the federal judge that's responsible for all things grand jury and all things Jack Smith. Today, that judge is Judge Jeb Boesberg. But now, based on this CNN report and this interview that he just gave, <laughs> Carla Torrey, Jack Smith, I am sure, very quickly, if not next week, is going to go in front of uh, Judge Jeff Boesberg and argue <laughs> that Carla Torrey has either waived his privilege or, or um, waived the confidential communications he had <clears throat> with his own client and with Boris Epstein and should not have attorney-client privilege on this area and should go back into the grand jury to testify about how Boris Epstein, probably on behalf of Donald Trump, interfered with the um, discovery and um, uh, return of documents located at Bedminster, at Mar-a-Lago, as required by the federal search warrant, as required by the federal judge. This is a new crime. He just announced a new crime on CNN. We follow it on hot takes just <laughs> like this one. I do these about every day, only on the Midas Touch Network. When I'm not doing these and practicing law as a trial lawyer, I also co-anchor a show on the Midas Touch Network on Wednesdays and Saturdays called Legal AF. You can only get it there. If you like what I'm doing on updates on Tim Parlatori, creating new criminal problems for Donald Trump and Boris Epstein. Give me a thumbs up on this particular video. Leave a comment. I do go through them to read them. I might even respond back to you. And you can follow me on all things social media at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love job, this report. Lord and continue Michael. the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Yeah, go follow him, man. The only uh, news source that has uh, the truth. 
as it's happening. I'm uh, preparing an enclosure for my, my chickies. around the can't be running around and exposed at night anymore lost a little white chick heard a noise the uh, the bobcat usually comes about four Pretty much like 4 a.m. sharp. Dead of the night, 3, 4, between there. And there's a, there's a, a, um, kerfuffle in the, amongst my chickies. And as they see something, yeah, would be would have been nice to record it, but a geofence and they hackers, probably Russian Trump trolls, former KGB, paid for with our taxpayer money, of course. Um, they uh shut me down, so. I mean, it says I have, it says 156 or something, um, downloads of my podcast, and thanks for that, but thing is, it's probably, you know, just a reflection of, uh, you know, whatever DHS wants me to see. Don't actually think I get... I think probably zero of those. Like, whenever I post anything, the only comments I get are the like spam software, a uh, spam, you know, like bots, and a Russian Trump troll hater. Um you know, saying some negative comments, whatever it is, you know, it used to be, now I'm getting better at using, I use a filter because, I mean, I, it, I call it, well, it, it is post-production, but sometimes I, um, well, I have to, uh, maybe film it without a filter, and then I use the filter, and then, It's my my so-called my haters call my mole. I call it my beauty mark, which I'm very proud of. But uh, just looking around for like a. I'm thinking of like a piece of wood along the bottom here. That'll look nice. That'll be nice. 
Sitting in be nice. Wouldn't it be nice? Okay. I'm gonna put on YouTube. Hey, just the Justice Department. Parlatory Trump. Obstructed them from getting any information. For Donald Jackass Trump. <coughs> Diaper Donald. Diaper Donald. <coughs> Shit clown. Post. Okay. I'm gonna share to my uh, Christopher Price. Another fucking, another fucking lawyer. Y'all gotta get faster. You gotta slam them like the same day. Of slamming him the same day he's committing crimes every fucking day. So slam him every fucking day. New fucking crime every fucking day. A clockwork. Um, see about more subscriptions. House Republicans hold news conference amid dead ceiling negotiations. Our PBS sensible solution that raises the debt ceiling and addresses our debt ceiling. House Republicans remain the only ones who have passed legislation to responsibly raise our debt ceiling and rein in direct spending to save our country from future generations. This week, House Republicans are also taking action to address yet another crisis worsened by Joe Biden and extreme House Democrats' open border policies. That is the deadly fentanyl crisis. Just this past weekend, what open border County, policies? County, we don't have fucking open border policies, bitch. Overdose-related deaths. Communities across this country are being devastated by these innocent lives being lost. The 
fentanyl act, which will be on the floor this week, would supply law enforcement with the tools needed to keep fentanyl off our streets and deliver on a key pillar of our commitment to America, a nation that's safe. I'm now going to pass it over to one of our freshmen, as we do every single week, Max Miller from Ohio's 7th District. Max. Thank you, Chairwoman Stefano. We're all here today for the same reason. We understand something that must be done to stop this de deadly drug from killing more of our loved ones. Last month in Cuyahoga County, law enforcement confiscated. Freshman. Sounds like a freshman. This is deadly drug to children. Simply put, this is death disguised as children. This week, House Republicans will work to ensure law enforcement have the tools death that they disguise need to candy. off of our streets. Just last month, local law enforcement, the DEA, and the U.S. District Attorney's Office busted an organized drug trafficking ring of 18 individuals who were involved in the distribution of fentanyl across communities I represent in Ohio. While we are grateful for their heroic work, we know that fentanyl is still killing far too many people, year after year in Ohio. In March alone, 130 people died from fentanyl overdoses just in Cuyahoga County. We cannot sit by idly and allow Where the fuck is Cuyahoga County? That would be a good teacher. For y'all. class-wide scheduling orders expire. Then, many fentanyl-related substances become street legal. Law enforcement loses their authority to seize these lethal drugs. Empowered to push deadlier and deadlier drugs on our streets, skirting federal law by changing as little as one molecule and the fentanyl formula to create new variations. Customs and Border Protection loses the authority to seize these substances as they cross the border, which is the primary way in which fentanyl enters the United States, imported from China. Thankfully, the House will take action on the whole fentanyl act this week to make permanent the temporary class-wide scheduling order for fentanyl-related substances and give law enforcement the tools that they need to keep Americans safe and to save countless lives across this country. I thank you, and it is my honor to introduce Representative Morgan Griffin out of Kansas. Thank you, Max. I appreciate that. Max got it right, and he laid out the main issue in, in this bill, and that is we want to make sure our law enforcement has the protection that it needs. They don't have to be uh, chemistry majors in order to work on the border or to be in law enforcement. They need to be able to just to say, okay, it's, it's fentanyl. And what we found was, before we had the temporary uh, order in place, was that the bad guys, Chinese importing the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients in the uh, Mexican cartels, were trying to figure out ways to come up with something that had just as much punch as fentanyl. Just a little bit different chemistry makeup. And by doing that, they were able to balance the forty-four like you're a user. Now, we've only tested about thirty-seven one that may have some potential needs more research and that's why this bill also has a research component that allows the universities to do the research maybe there's something out there that we'll find that will be uh, able to stop the effects of fentanyl so we're hopeful but we want to make sure that we keep this stuff illegal so the bad guys don't profit and that we're able to continue to do the research and that's what the bill does now there's been some fears and concerns just to stop the use of fentanyl for medical purposes it does not destroy it has nothing to do with fentanyl itself and the, and the use for 
medicine, by our doctors. It is only oh. the fennel analogs that are affected by this bill. And I now turn it over to our great witness, Tom Emmer. Thank you, Morgan. Uh, Elise, all of us, uh, all of us have prayers for this. Uh, you and all the residents of Sheriff and the major law enforcement folks. As our conference chair already indicated, we're nine days out from the Biden administration's default deadline. And one thing remains absolutely clear whatever default Joe Biden is threatening is on Joe Biden. More than 100 days, Speaker McCarthy has called on Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer to negotiate a responsible debt limit plan. What has Biden done instead? He gaslights the American people. <laughs> what has Chuck Schumer done? He passed a bill naming the month of March Maple Syrup Month. Under Kevin McCarthy's leadership, House Republicans passed an American plan that responsibly raises the debt ceiling while reining in the Democrats' out-of-control spending. To this day, <laughs> we're the only ones that have provided a solution to avoid default. It's now up to the president to come to the table, uh, actually come to the table with some ideas uh, so that we can make real strides to address this issue. Otherwise, pass our bill. It's over in the Senate. Perhaps the senators should come back from their uh, short vacation and take this uh, crisis uh, that we've been advised as a crisis seriously. The question actually remains, what is Joe Biden and his administration willing to give to provide solutions to the debt ceiling crisis and put this country on a better financial path? If you can't answer the question, again, it is Joe Biden and the Democrats who will have to explain to every American why they decided to default for the first time in this nation's history. With that, I turn it over to our great majority leader, Steve Story. Thank you, Whip. And my thoughts and prayers also go to the law enforcement community in Saratoga. <laughs> the whole week to National Law Enforcement Week, we pray for our men and women in uniform who keep our community safe. We know how tough of a job it is. Uh, and every day when a law enforcement officer wakes up, they know what's out there, but they also know that as they face danger, they keep up to the safe. We are praying for their safety and giving them the tools that they need. As Morgan Griffiths go we are working on a number of different things to attack that is not happening. Uh, this is something that's just still by an open southern border. We have seen blood into our country. Every day in America, nearly 300 young people die from fentanyl and other related overdoses. That's a that can be stopped. It can be stopped by securing the border. The Bill HR2 that we passed would do that. But in the meantime, while we're seeing this flood of fentanyl continue to come in unchecked across our southern border, this Congress is taking action. And Morgan's bill, the whole fentanyl act, uh, really does address it in a few ways as he talked about, but I think you're going to see a very bipartisan vote to permanently schedule this class one controlled substance to give our law enforcement more tools to keep this drug out of our country. Stop 300 young people every day who are dying uh, from having to face these consequences. It shouldn't be here. The president can stop it today. But he won't do that. Something else that he hasn't done 
is to seriously engage in negotiations with states who are on the death row. We've seen it for months and months, going back to the word when speaking to the got his first meeting with the president, laid out a list of things that we would do to address the debt ceiling, but also address the nation's spending problem. And let's keep in mind, when the country hits the debt ceiling, it's in essence because the credit card of the nation got maxed out. It got maxed out because Washington is spending more money than it takes in. So of course, you say make the minimum payment, but you also, any family, would also get control over spending rather than just give another credit card to go max out. And that's really where we're at a crossroads in this negotiation. President Biden hasn't taken this seriously. He took almost 100 days off in refusing to negotiate with the Speaker. We didn't take any time off. We actually went to work saying if the President is going to just sit this out, try to run out the clock and create a debt crisis in America, Republicans will take action. And we worked for months of putting together a coalition to pass a bill that actually addresses the debt ceiling. It also addresses Washington's spending problem. And what is the answer that we're seeing in these last few days from Joe Biden? Again, continuing to run out the clock, not bringing serious ideas to the table, but actually bringing in new ideas that are non-starters. The president's actually talking about more tax hikes. For rich people. Joe Biden did that in his first two years, and look at how that's worked out. I think it's important to point this out as Joe Biden is talking about raising taxes. Look at some of the taxes that Joe Biden has already signed into law to raise on hardworking families. These tax increases under Joe Biden's first two years in office are some of the reason that inflation is so high. Some of the reason why energy costs are so high for families, 40% more for household electricity rates. And people would ask, why is that? Well, in part, it's because Joe Biden added $6.5 billion in taxes on natural gas. That is a direct tax increase on low and middle income families, breaking his pledge that anybody making under 400,000 a year wouldn't pay a dime in new taxes. Well, I guess he was right about the dime because it's a lot more than a dime in new taxes that, that families are paying. And I'm talking about families making under $60,000 a year who are paying this natural gas. You know what other tax Joe Biden signed into law that low-income families are also paying? $12 billion in crude oil taxes. So you wonder when people don't fill up their car, they're paying 50% more in gasoline costs. In part because of Joe Biden's new tax there. Was their answer to try to build the combustion engine? We actually have a bill this week to reverse EPA's crazy idea of getting rid of heavy lift cars, F-250s, or other pickup trucks. They're going after all uh, gasoline-powered cars in exchange for cars that ultimately contain a lot of components that are made in China. I don't call it a green agenda, I call it his red agenda, because the solar panels, a lot of the components of windmills, EVs, all made in China. And so the president keeps taxing those low-income families. $1.2 billion poll tax, $74 billion stock tax, which gets 401ks. Now, maybe President Biden, only the billionaires have 401ks. I hate to tell you, Mr. President, there are a lot of low-income families and middle-income families who have 401ks and are relying on that to be part of their next day's retirement. 
and then Joe Biden added $74 billion in taxes there. And if, if that wasn't enough, Joe Biden signed into law $225 billion in more corporate taxes. And where do corporate taxes get paid? By people who buy things. Again, you wonder why when you go to the grocery store or when you go to the any other store, buy clothes, buy any other product, why it's costing 20 or 30 percent more, it's because all of the taxes that Joe Biden's already raised, and what is his answer to maxing out the nation's credit card? He wants more taxes. Well, the message we have for President Biden is there will be no more taxes. It's the spending in Washington that's the problem, and it's the spending in Washington that we have to address or have to solve this situation where you the debt That's why we have to go to do Thank <laughs> you. 
like to see more transparency on how they come to that date, but Janet Yellen herself actually left the door open to delaying that uh, in her speech yesterday. The comments that she sent out yesterday implied that it's June 1st or later, giving some openness to the idea that June 1st may not be the so-called expert. So, uh, you know, probably have been able to see a lot of transparency, but it looks like they're hedging on and opening up the door to move that date back. Ram through their 22% across the board cuts, social services. Sabotage country. Fuckers. They're going to cut 80, they want to cut 80,000 jobs from the VA. The real problem is today, the federal government still taking the apology. You know what that means. Spending more than it takes in. For every hundred dollars that the government takes in, it's spending a hundred and twenty-nine dollars. No business could be run that way. No family runs uh, themselves that way. What we're trying to do is say, let's address the debt ceiling, but let's also address the extra twenty-nine dollars out of the hundred that's coming in that we're spending that we don't have, and get it back to a balanced budget. Uh, we're working out a plan for over time to do it. The president doesn't even want to engage in that conversation. That has to. Happen. Well, there's got to be some mechanism to, to tell Washington that you can't keep printing money that you don't have, because ultimately it's future generations that pay this. It's just like President Biden's idea to just wave the magic wand and, and say nobody has to pay their student loans back. Every taxpayer in America is going to pay $3,500 per, per taxpayer for the 13% of Americans who would not have to pay their student loans back. Uh, is that fair that somebody working two jobs is going to have to pay $3,500 so that somebody else doesn't have to pay a loan that they signed for? Somebody, at some point in time, somebody's got to pay these bills. Get it back. And Washington can't keep spending money it doesn't have. And so we're at the table saying we've got to get control over spending. We rebase the spending numbers, which is very reasonable. Uh, that was in our plan that we passed. We also included growth provision. We're talking about the military people, uh, work requirements. Think about industrial this. complex Biden voted for work requirements when he was a senator. Uh, that would say instead of spending 140 billion dollars to pay able-bodied adults with no dependents to sit at home, Fuck how off. about you get them back into the workforce? Then they'd be oh. paying into Social Security. That would actually strengthen Seven Social Security. Joe Biden undermine programs like Social Security by borrowing money from China to pay people to sit at home and vote for the able-bodied. 
Those are fucking Okay, let's see here, um, so that was live. Bunch of jerk jackasses. Tyrese fucking Republicans. Hunts. <laughs> see what else is going on. Legal News Roundup, hmm. Uncivil law. 97 watching. <laughs> talk to two and who they talk to. Three levels down. So again, do you know a guy who knows a guy who is breaking the law? Yes. Breaking I guarantee you, you do. You know a guy who knows a guy huh. who is breaking international law. Of course you do. Because the whole three steps removed, you know? If you know 100 people, and each of those 100 people know 100 people, you know 100 people, well, yeah, that covers a lot of ground. Although the law is not supposed to be used to surveil American citizens, government has used this data to do exactly that. Because, of course, they have. These communications can then be used to prosecute people for crimes, and they have been. We obtained, without the warrant, because we were looking at foreign communications. But what's this, an American citizen? Well, we got their data, too. No Fourth Amendment promise to be seen here. This power is set to expire at the end of the year unless Congress renews it, which, of course, they absolutely 100% will. With this looming deadline, the now unclassified court document adds fuel to the arguments that the government may abuse these powers. Wow. The government has been given this power. Look at the foreign nationals and their friends and their friends and their friends. And amazingly, no one could have possibly seen this coming. The, the, you give the FBI and the other 13 intelligence agencies this wonderful magical tool. They only press this button. They get to look at the records without the pesky pesky search warrant. How often do you think they push the button? Fairly frequently. Who could have possibly seen that coming? Only literally everybody. But here we are. These abuses have been going on for years, and despite changes to the FBI practices, they continue. Yeah, the FBI has reformed itself, uh, as it has several times in the past. When it, when it gets caught up in these sorts of scandals, which happens from time to time, 
they they do the reforms. But amazingly, the reforms seem to not prevent them from abusing it. It's like, we fixed the help, we fix the problem. They always find new ways to circumvent the problem. Because you gave them this wonderful authority. It's like, we promised, we have pinky, pinky promise crossed our heart that we will never abuse these problems ever again. Uh-huh. The FISA court opinion details the FBI queries on thousands of individuals, which includes 133 people arrested for George Floyd press and 19,000 donors to a congressional because they know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Because of course they do. The latter, the analysis who ran the query advised the campaign that was a target of a foreign influence. But determined that only eight identifiers used in the quarry had sufficient ties to foreign activities. So, how connected do you need to be in this daisy chain? Like, how much do you need to know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy? And as it determines, apparently we're willing to even bend that standard too. You know, maybe you once talked to someone at a bus stop. That's close enough to us. You know, you sat down to someone on the bus stop and had to talk about the weather. You're a contact now. Uh-huh. Sure. For Black Lives Matter protest, the division determined that the FBI queries were not reasonably likely to retrieve foreign intelligence communications. Wow, we used the magic button that solved all of our problems. And we abused the magic button that solved all of our problems. The Fourth Amendment sure is inconvenient. Let's push the magic button. Again and again and again. Additional significant violations of querying standards occurred in search related to January 6th. Domestic drug and gang investigations and domestic terrorism probes. It's said that 200... It has been said that 23,000 queries were run on people suspected of storming the Capitol. Uh-huh. So, yeah, maybe we, 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 we have acquired the records. We haven't stored them. We haven't stored them. Even though we've acquired them and we're holding them. <laughs> and they're in our database, but they're not stored. That's critical. You have to understand that. They're <laughs> not stored. But then we, when we searched them, and it just so happened that a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who had been involved in January 6th. What are the odds? Basically 100%. <laughs> While the FBI said it has implemented several changes to prevent the abuse, uh huh, including better query training, stricter approval requirements for sensitive searches, like those involving American elected officials and journalists, and the FBI would really like to spy on the journalists, because the journalists sometimes talk to people, they're like off the record, and we'd like to talk to them, and we'd also like to spy on Congress. <laughs> it's because, you know, that doesn't raise any implications <laughs> at all with the executive branch. Spying on the legislative branch, that doesn't raise any serious constitutional separation of power crisis question. Oh, no, no, no. We're doing it anyway. But, you know, the opponents have suggested that maybe the FBI's pinky promise really shouldn't be relied on. Maybe Congress maybe should like look at this and you know maybe evaluate whether this is a good idea in the first instance. 
even with a long history of FBI abuse, which, you know, basically, yeah, the FBI has been abusing its power basically since it's been constructed, which, to be fair to the FBI, is not just a special FBI problem. Government in general likes to push its powers yeah. to the limit. One of the reasons I hate Chevron so very, very, very much. Because they are like, ah, if I, if I push this button, I get more power. And it will allow me to do good things for the greater good. And like many roads to hell, it probably was started <laughs> with the best intentions. It probably no. was. No, it Someone pushed the button for what were very, very good reasons. Undoubtedly. It's true. And then the reasons became a little less good. And a little less good. And a little less good. And we slide down the slope. Until suddenly we're a tyrant. So just this one time, we promise we can stop any time we want. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe you have a problem. Maybe it's time to go to uh, whatever the AA equivalent would be. Uh, <laughs> intelligence... Abusers Anonymous. I FBI. I FBI. Today I only abused 30,000 people's rights. So, what a triumph. You're making such progress. <laughs> the systematic misuse of the warrantless surveillance tool has made the relevant law as toxic as other abuses of the Hoover administration. Which, you know, I think is fair. Although, of course, modern technology makes it more in sort of its quantity. We're able to do a lot more with the abuses. We're able to affect a lot more people than the abuses, but in sort of its overall arcing principle, yeah, sounds about right. Absent a full overhaul of the relevant law, Congress should not allow this to be extended, but you know, they totally will. So, good things to look forward to. Thus, that brings us to the end of the discussion about how the FBI only violated your rights 300,000 times <laughs> in the 2020 to 2021 period in one year. 300,000 times. It's almost 1,000 times a day. That's a lot, you know, hey. You know, what's, a couple hundred, what's a couple hundred violations every single day? You know, what is 100 violations every single business hour every single day? 365 days a year. What is 100 violations every single hour or eight hours every single day look like? About like this. And the FBI has been doing this for only the best of reasons, don't you know? And has been doing it 300,000 times and spying on politicians, journalists, protesters, all kinds of people from records that they had, but then store. Really important that you understand that. Not stored. And maybe we need to take a second look at that law and think about how we define it and maybe try to restrict intelligence apparatuses. But that, for the moment, brings us to the end of discussion of this story. All right, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? It is Uncivil Law Day, and I am happy to be here to you today. I am in a great mood today. I love you all. Today is a great day. The FBI may have looked into uncivil law. Who knows? Hmm. I, you know, again, do you know a guy who knows Maybe. a guy who knows a guy? The answer is yes. Yes, you do. Absolutely do. Now, I know 100 people who know 100 people who know 100 people. Yeah, I absolutely know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. 
as the FBI, as a result of my coverage of January 6th or something, perhaps done a little inquiry, are some of the people watching this program part of the FBI? Have you been spying on uncivil law? Please don't spy on uncivil law. <laughs> It wasn't me. But you're welcome to you're welcome to like, comment, and subscribe. So if the FBI would like to sit, hit that subscribe button, that would be perfectly fine. You're more than welcome to watch my programs in their entirety, and I encourage you and all your FBI friends and the entire intelligence apparatus to watch my programs. Please, CIA, NSI, FBI, geospatial. Hey, fuckers! And get out else, of here! Please hit that subscribe button. Because you'll get all the best intelligence, I swear. I know things. I know so many things. Things that you want to know about. Subscribe, and you'll hear the hidden messages in the words. Okay, great. Go. I had a great improv class last night. Level three starting. Yeah. And uh, I think I have found the. I think my ability to generate thumbnails stuff is getting even better. I think I found a new way of doing things, a way that should hopefully produce even better results. I'm very excited about these possibilities. And I also upped my subscription for the uh, AI-generated shorts because I was burning through my hours. So, good. All right, let's see who else we got. All right, this is good. Let's do this one. Push the button. CBS is being sued for improper hiring practices in violation of the state law that forbids an employer from using a lie detector as part of the process of screening applicants. So this is a state law specific thing. Some states have different rules when it comes to hiring practices and the state of Massachusetts says you can't use a lie detector as part of the hiring process. Okay, well, CBS didn't use a lie detector exactly, but they did use AI try to assess a person's truthfulness. Hmm. So is that the same thing? And you use the AI to detect truthfulness? Also, is the AI really good at this? Huh. It's also an unspoken of question, but let's learn a little bit more about this lawsuit and what CBS is being accused of. A class action lawsuit was filed in the great state of Massachusetts against CVS by a resident of that state who failed to get a job at the Rhode Island-based drugstore chain after completing an AI-assisted video interview conducted using a platform called HireVue. So CVS wants to hire people in many states. Fine. They use some sort of video interview AI thing 
and the AI monitors the video to determine whether or not a person's being truthful. So is that the same thing as a lie detector? Okay. Is illegal as a matter of state-specific law in Massachusetts to use a lie detector to screen an applicant, but what if a company uses artificial intelligence to help assess a candidate's honesty? That's a good question, because if a person did this, that wouldn't really be a lie detector, right? If CVS hired, you know, some people who were particularly good at screening people for truthfulness, which incidentally, people suck at universally. This has been documented over and over and over again. And even people who are supposedly good at this, as a matter of profession, basically suck. Hmm. So, you know, think FBI, think judges, think law enforcement in general. When they do these kinds of tests, and is this person telling the truth? Or are they lying? The professionals only do about 5% better than the average man off the street. And the average man off the street gets it right about 55% of the time. So average guy determines truthfulness correctly about 55% of the time. Trained professional, 60%. Low 60s. And we are not much better than a coin flip at this. <laughs> They're not good at this. Because amazingly... Human beings are wired to detect de deception and also wired to help undetect deception because we are pretty good at lying to people. Mm -hmm. We're really good at it. We've been trained a long time. Mm -hmm. So our ability to detect it and our ability to generate it are about on par. And so if we tried to hire a guy to do this, well, you know, that probably wouldn't go very well, but we could at least in principle, right? But what if we hire an AI? The AI is better than, you know, every human being, which wouldn't be that hard one would think, because human beings suck. Is that the same thing as a lie detector? So if the AI... <laughs> Excuse me. So if the AI is doing this, is the same thing as a polygraph with perspiration and heart rates. Is it unfair? for employers to use a machine to help evaluate integrity? Or is it more fair than relying on subjective judgments of humans, which, as I've been mentioning, is really, really hard. Human beings suck at this. These are some of the questions that surround this class action lawsuit filed last month in state court. We failed to get a job at the drugstore after completing the AI interview. Huh. He is filing, of course, on his own behalf and as a member of a class of others who might also have not been hired for the same reason. The use of artificial intelligence is, of course, becoming more dominant in every aspect of people's businesses, including, of course, in hiring and firing. The AI will help solve our problems. So this, of course, fuels questions about how this interacts in the workplace and the harm calls for more rigorous testing and regulations, of course, from the government have been trying to be spawned by this. Some states, of course, are reacting to this. States can sometimes react faster to this than the federal government can. So some states have already gotten on board, and also the federal government, to some extent, looks at what states are doing as a matter of inspiration and as a matter of what things work, right? The laboratories of experimentation among the states. So sometimes the federal government kind of looks and sees what happens in various states. And then, you know, if things work well, 
they'll adopt it or use it as inspiration for their own ideas. So it's not surprising that some states are getting out ahead of this, and this will be refined as a matter of state law before it probably gets refined eventually as a matter of federal law. But by the time that happens, it'll probably be too late because the AI will advance so hard. But, you know, let's pretend that we'll be able to get to this in time. <laughs> the White House and other federal agencies have announced their commitment to looking at artificial intelligence. EEOC is urging employers to analyze technology to make sure that the decisions are not discriminatory, warning that those responsible for it would be, of course, responsible for it. So if you use a tool, you're responsible for your use of the tool, which kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, the tool did it. Oh, not yet, at least. Not legally. Maybe someday with the AI advancing. But for the moment, the employer is still responsible for their own decisions. So the AI hasn't advanced that far yet, but maybe later. It's unclear, of course, how laws that have been on the books for decades might apply to this novel situation. Because the laws were not designed for this. And this is a bit of a shift in technology in a way that, you know, will break some laws. And sort of not being able to be applied readily. So our ability to read the law onto the AI in a lot of situations may be not so clear. Because this is such a new kind of technology. How much artificial intelligence can help or hinder in these processes, of course, remains to be seen. So it would be a bit weird to draw the conclusion that AI cannot be used, for example, as part of the hiring process, but how much? How, how much is it allowed to do? And how much does a human being have to be in the loop? And so forth and so on. Like a number of other organizations, including T-Mobile, Delta, and the Boston Red Sox, CVS has used these video in interviewing platforms to help screen job seekers. So this apparently is not you know, an unknown thing. This appears to be in many, many unrelated industries. So the video interviewing platform AI apparently used as part of this process. So, you know, okay. In about a third of the interviews, iReview uses AI technology to analyze integrity and honor. Help companies scale out lie detection and screen out embellishers. So, yeah, apparently a lot of companies are using this to help for to people who are perhaps fronting more than they are really, you know, presenting good stuff. And how good is the technology one wonders on, on this? That's something I would want to know a lot. At the time this individual applied for the job at CVS, IReview's AI enhanced interviews analyzed facial expression, eye contact, tone of voice, and inflection. So they are the body language expert people brought to AI. Body language experts brought to AI. Oh, your eye moved this way. Your eye moved that way. You had this tone. Your eyes, your eyes move. That shows deception. Uh huh. I have to be admit. I have to admit, which will come as a surprise to no one who <laughs> follows my channel with with great attention, that I am very skeptical of this body language stuff. I have a lot of skepticism that you can read anything from a lot of this stuff. And that things mean things. I have a lot of
bills Federal law has prohibited most private employers from using lie detectors to select employees since 1988. Though, of course, for certain sensitive jobs and other 